I want to start off this weekend by telling you four things I know. Uh, I know you got to stop spilling your coffee or I'm going to have to ban it again because all of our women who got those designer Michael Kors purses and stuff for Christmas and nice shoes and nice coats, when you spill your coffee, it runs all the way down the auditorium and gets into their stuff and uh, we get lawsuits. No, I'm just we don't get lawsuits, but uh, we have to pay them off and stuff like that. So just be careful if you have coffee, keep an eye on it, try not to kick it over, try to drink it all. That's the first thing I know. Here's the second thing I know. I am whooped. Uh, emotionally and physically, I told you last weekend that uh, we were in the process of Laura's dad dying, and uh, we thought this would be a 24 to 48 hour thing, but he finally passed and went on to heaven at 1 a.m., about 1 a.m. yesterday morning, and so it has been uh, an exhausting week and an exhausting weekend, and so, um, by the way, I've heard, uh, this has been a good lesson for me because I, I've, heard, uh, I've heard a million times, uh, well, he lived a full life. Uh, I've heard a million times he's in a better place. We all know that. We all know that in theory. <clears throat> but you know what? You're also dealing with a, a mother-in-law who for 61 years has been married to the same man. Who That's an incredible void. Uh, my wife who's here, uh, who worships the ground that her dad walked on. Uh, a father-in-law who to me was, uh, you know, one of the great benefits I've had in life, many people don't have one good dad. I had two great ones. And the impact that he had uh, on my life. And so... Uh, is, is teaching me, be careful about cliches. I know everybody means well, but you know what? Uh, somebody came up to me uh, this morning who had just lost her husband. She said, I, I know not to say anything. Can I just give you a hug? I'm like, man, I'll take a hug anytime. You know, I'm all over that. But anyway, so I'm, I, because I'm tired and exhausted, here's the third thing I know. My message isn't that good. All right? <laughs> now, here's the good news is it's shorter. It's a little shorter than usual. So we celebrate that. We celebrate whatever we can around here. And... Uh, and then here's the fourth thing I know. A lot of you are lonely this weekend. You're lonely people. Now, you're not going to admit it. <clears throat> we don't admit we're lonely. Who, who says that? You know, we learn to hide it. We learn to look busy and stay busy. And uh, we learn to surround ourselves with a lot of activity, a lot of movement, a lot of motion, a lot of noise. And the result, you know, somebody looking at us from the outside, we look connected. You know, we look like we're plugged in. We look like it's happening. We look like, wow, there's a person who's really got it going on. But at the end of the day, when it's quiet and nobody's around us, we know we have no idea how to live in intimacy with other people. We have no idea how to live in biblical community with other people. We aren't connected to other people. In fact, I read a statistic this week that, show, that, that said the average American has only two people, two people that they can confide in and have a meaningful conversation with. Not, not a meaningful relationship. Only two people that they can even have a meaningful conversation with. I've got to tell you, that's not good. Robert Putnam, a, a political scientist, and he's a professor of public policy at Harvard University. He conducted a study, and it had to do with the social fabric of America. This is interesting. He, this is one of the things he discovered. For every 10 minutes of commuting, you are 10% less likely to have meaningful relationships. Now think about that. For every 10 minutes you commute to work each day, you're 10% you're, you're less likely to be involved in meaningful relationships. Now, here's, here's the kicker. The average commute, commute in America is 30 minutes each way, each way. Well, there's 60 minutes. That means that if you com commute an hour a day, and that's not unheard of in this area, in this track, if you have to get out to the park or certain places, that means that you're 60% less likely to be involved in meaningful relationships. Let's take it up a notch. The average family in America commutes 13 times a day. School and back, soccer and back, cheerleading and back, dance and back, bagpipe class and back. 
And then there's one commute because it only goes one way because it's 13. And I'm assuming that's dad going to the bar to get away from the family that's commuting all day and he's taking a taxi home. That's, that's kind of what's going on right there, right? Well, you do the math. I mean, would that not explain why most of us have no idea who our neighbors are? I mean, we don't have time to meet our neighbors. We're too busy driving away, coming in, opening the garage door, going in, shutting the garage. In fact, if I said, I'll give you a million dollars if you can name five of your neighbors, mom, dad, and their children, I'd probably still walk out of here with a pocket full of money. Because most of us, we don't have time to even know our neighbors, much less have meaningful relationships. And I know what some of you are thinking, well, Mike, we're fixing that. It's called technology, Mike. I mean, things like Facebook and, and, and Pinterest, and, 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 and I had to write these things down because I don't use them. LinkedIn, and some of you are tweeting all over the place. You know what I'm saying? Get this now. The average Facebook user you saw in the video has 314 friends. Now, as a side, I want you to know, I launched my first ever Facebook page this week. Yeah. I wanted to see what it's like for all the rest of you perverts who are on Facebook. <laughs> Now, this is what's depressing about your life. The average Facebooker has 314 friends. I had mine up for one hour and had over 400 requests, people who wanted to be my friend. What's wrong with you losers out there? <laughs> I took it down. I'll show it to you next week. I'll show you my Facebook. The average person on Facebook has 314 friends, yet by 2020, the second leading health issue in America is projected to be depression caused by isolation and loneliness not getting any better so we're in this series come together and in our series what we're trying to discover is okay I know what society is trying to do I know what they're talking about I know what they have to offer what does God have to say about loneliness in fact what is God's cure for loneliness and in this series if you'll hang with me over the next few weeks we're going to discover how to grow meaningful relationships how do we develop healing relationships that can actually change our lives relationships that can help us get to where we want to go in life, help us experience the life that deep down inside we really want to experience. I want to begin this weekend by looking at a verse and uh, Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. If you have your Bible, turn there, and I'm just going to tell you, I am going to beat this verse to death. If you don't know any verse of the Bible, you're going to know this one by the time you go home this weekend. If you don't have a Bible, we'll put it up on the side screen. This is what Solomon wrote, Proverbs 13, 20. He who walks with the wise grows wise but a companion of fools suffers harm. Now, you may not even be a religious person this weekend. You may not believe in God. In fact, it may just be a fluke you showed up in church this weekend, but I'm going to tell you something about that principle. Every one of us here has experienced that principle at one time or another in our lives. Solomon says this, if you choose to surround yourself with wise people and do life with wise people, it's going to rub off on you. You're going to catch some of that, and you're going to become wise. But if you choose to surround yourself with a bunch of idiots, if you choose to surround yourself and do life with a bunch of fools, you're going to pay the price for that. You're going to suffer harm. And this is an interesting verse because it doesn't say that if you're the companion of a fool, you're going to become a fool. It says if you're the companion of a fool, you're going to pay for it. You're going to suffer harm. And that means that if you do life with fools, and the Bible's pretty specific about what a fool is, you know some. You're sitting beside some, some of you. You may be here this weekend, you're married to a fool. You're dating a fool. Maybe you work for a fool. You know who, you, you know who they are. According to the Bible, a fool is a person who knows the difference between right and wrong. They just don't care. I mean, they know where the line is. They know this is right, this is wrong. They just don't care. The fool is the person you talk to and you say, whoa, 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 that's going to hurt you. 
So? That'll mess you up. So? You know if you make that decision, it's probably going to cost you your job. So? If you go there, that is going to wreck your marriage. It is going to tear it up. So? Hey, what are you doing? That will kill you. So? See, a fool's a person who knows the difference between right and wrong. It's not that they don't know. They know. They just don't care, right? And the Bible teaches if you make the decision, this is the kind of person you want to hang around with in life, eventually you're going to suffer harm. Now, you may not become a fool, but if you're in a close proximity to a fool when they screw up, you're going to catch some shrapnel. Just because you're there with them, they're going to take you down with them. For example, uh, if you're married to a fool, you'll suffer harm, not necessarily because of your decisions, but your life is going to be impacted negatively just because you're tied to a spouse who makes dumb, stupid, foolish decisions. For example, you may be here this weekend, and by the way, what a great weekend it would be if we could have open mic, and you could tell me your stories, because I bet there's some stories. I mean, maybe you're married to the guy, the girl, that every time they get one of those envelopes in the mail that says, you have been pre-approved. They fill it out, they send it in, they get a credit card, they run it. You would never do that. You were brought up differently. You're a good man and money manager. But because you're married to a fool, all of a sudden, your credit rating has gone down. You have debt you're never going to be able to pay off. You're not a fool, but just because you're in proximity to a fool, you're going to pay the price for it. Or maybe you're married to a person who comes on and says, I quit my job. Again? Honey, you, this is like the 17th job you've had this year. Why did you, I'm not working for somebody who can tell me what to do, you know. <laughs> right? Because you're married to this idiot, you know, you're going to suffer harm because of it. Now understand, this is a universal principle. The people you do life with will impact your future. In fact, another way of saying it is this. The people you choose to do life with, they are going to determine the direction and the quality of your life. I mean, think about this. Think about that time in your life, that period in your life, that chapter in your life. You would do anything to go back and rewrite or hit the delete button and totally erase. I mean, you still, when you think about it, chills go up and down your spine because of how painful that time was in your life. I guarantee you as you think back to that chapter of your life that you wish you could undo or rewrite, I guarantee you, you were doing that portion of your life. You were doing that time in your life. Whatever you got involved with, you were doing it with people you considered to be your friends. You didn't consider those people to be your enemies. But now you look back and this, this is your thought. I wish I'd have never met him. I wish I'd have never met her. I wish I would have never answered the phone. I wish I'd have never gotten into that car. I wish I'd have never accepted that invitation. I wish I would have never entered into that partnership. What was I thinking? Proverbs says, he who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. The reality was, you weren't thinking. You weren't thinking. Now, no matter what you believe about the Bible, no matter what you believe about God, this is a universal principle. This is something that parents tell their kids. This is something that coaches tell their team. Be careful who you hang around with. This is something that teachers say. This is just a universal principle, whether you're spiritual, religious, or not. Now, this is the problem. The problem is, as adults, we, this is a principle that we tend to kind of relegate to children. And that's why we will lecture and say things like, choose your friends wisely. We tell our kids, honey, you're getting ready to drive. You're getting ready to get your driver's license. You're going off to high school. You're going off to college. Make sure you choose your friends wisely. And this is what happens. They look at our loser friends. 
and say, Dad, like him? Mom, like her? That, that's the kind of friend, you know? In other words, as adults, we, we think this is a principle that applies to children, but not to us so much. And by the way, that's why parents go overboard protecting their children. I mean, we're living in the age of helicopter parents. I mean, we got parents going to college for their kids and debating with their professor their kids' grades. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I, it cracks me up every morning. I live in a pretty safe neighborhood. I mean, I live in Apex, the peak of good living. There's no crime in Apex. It all moved to Cary. <laughs> Cary. But this is what I see every morning. 59 parents as the bus pulls away. Now, that's not embarrassing, but these kids are in high school. Come on. You, really, when are you going to let them go? Seriously, you know? That's why we only let them hang out with certain kids, right? That's why we only let, let them visit certain homes. As parents, we only let our kids go to certain places. If we can, we're going to get them in a private school, or many people will homeschool just to keep them isolated, keep them separated from that riffraff. That's why we say things to our kids, oh, if you lay down with a dog, you're going to get up with fleas. We say stuff like that. We quote verses like 1 Corinthians 15, 33, bad company corrupts good morals, it corrupts good character. And we say things like that because we know, nobody's going to debate, we know that this principle is true, but somehow as adults, we feel like we're immune to all of that. We think that we outgrow this principle. I'm telling you here this weekend, a parents, adults, college kids, that could never be further than the truth. You never outgrow this principle. I see it all the time. I've been pastoring for 30-some years. I had a full head of solid brown hair when I started this church. Look what you've done to me. You know what I'm saying? I've been doing this a long time. I've seen a lot of things. I've seen marriages blow up because mom chose to go dancing with her friends a few too many times. And her justification for going dancing with her friends every week was daddy doesn't like to dance, right? But now she's hanging out with her friends. Before long, she drifted away from dad and danced right into the arms of another man. Now this is what's interesting. It wasn't because she stopped believing in God. It wasn't because she stopped believing in Jesus. It wasn't even because she stopped going to church. What happened was her value system began to shift. Her value system began to change. And the reason that her value system began to move, to shift, and to change was because all of a sudden she's connected to a group of people. She's hooked up with a group of people who think differently about life. Differently than the way she was raised. Different than the way she's been taught in God's Word. They think differently. They have different morals. They have different values. And before she knew it, because now she has the companion of fools, she begins to act on their thoughts, their morals, their values, their advice. And she'll sit in my office and she can't tell you why it happened or how it happened. She just knows somewhere in that process she drifted. Her value shifted. I've seen marriages blow up because daddy spent too many weekends out with the boys. Too many business trips to places that had nothing to do with business. Wasn't because he abandoned his theology, didn't turn his back on God, didn't stop going to church. It's just that he started hanging out with a group of people who thought different, who values were different, who morals were different. And over time, his slowly, slowly, his values began to shift and drift. Goes back to this, Proverbs 13, 20. A companion of fools suffers harm. Understand, it's a proximity thing. It's a proximity thing. The people you choose to do life with, they are going to impact your values. They are going to impact the quality of your life. Now, this is what's interesting. We can either ignore this principle, which we would all agree is a true principle. 
We can either ignore this principle and pay the price, or we could figure out how can I harness this principle for my advantage. Now, here's the dilemma. If we're honest, most of us don't choose our friends based on our values, based on our priorities. Most of us don't even choose our friends based on character. We have a tendency in our life, especially when we're younger, to gravitate toward people who accept us. They're our people. These are our people. They understand me. They accept me. So we kind of gravitate to people who accept us. But when our choice of friends is based predominantly on whether or not they accept us, you got to understand that's a problem. Because often the reason they accept us is because we share some of the same issues. We share some of the same problems. We get each other, right? I mean, it's amazing how you can put a group of people together and the two people that struggle with drinking too much can find each other. True? It's amazing how you can send your kid to a private school because he got caught smoking pot. Even a Christian school, you know what he'll find? That other kid who likes to smoke pot too. It's amazing at the office how two promiscuous people will always find each other. And it's kind of like, hey, we're in the same boat. We get each other. Or maybe it's because misery loves company. I don't know. But let's go back to our principle, Proverbs 13, 20. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools, you're going to pay the price. You're going to suffer harm. Now, here's the question. This is what I want to talk about. Are we going to harness this principle and leverage it for something good? Or are we going to spend the rest of our lives being the victim of this principle? I mean, when do we learn? When do we break out of this cycle? And the way you harness this principle and the way you leverage it for something good is you have to ask this question. If I, can, if I can do life with people who are moving in the direction that I want to move in, and let's, let's be honest, all of us have a direction of life we want to move in. No one wants to live a life wondering, is the day the day I get caught? Is the day the day I get exposed? Is the day that I, the day I go down with my friends? Is the day I get pulled over for a traffic ticket and they find the pot in my glove compartment? Is the day that nobody wants to live like that? Nobody wants to be in that kind of bondage. So here's what we have: If I could do life with the people who are moving in the direction that I really know deep down inside I want to move in, and if doing life with the people who are moving in the direction that I want to move in will help me move in that direction better. Now here's the question. How do I become intentional about moving, about doing life with the people who are moving in the direction that I want to be moving? How do I become intentional about it? Now, understand, it's not a bait and switch. This is what this series is all about. This is all about how can we come together in relationships so that we can be better? How can we come together in relationships that will actually help us get to where we want to go? How can we, through strong relationships, experience the life that not only we want, the life that God wants for us? Now, this is where it gets a little difficult because the solution requires us to do something that we have a tendency to push back against, resist. We don't want to do this. And, it, and, and, and it's what we're going to call over the next few weeks, it, we're going to call it a structured relationship. And that just sounds so impersonal. It doesn't even sound like real community, but a structured relationship is a relationship that you get into not for the sake of the relationship, but for the sake of the progress that comes as a result of being in the relationship. Let me say that again. A, re, a structured relationship is a, real, it's a relationship that you get into not for the sake of the relationship. It's a relationship that you get into for, as a result of the progress that comes for being in the relationship. Well, you say, well, Mike, that sounds so weird. It seems so unnatural. 
We do it all the time. We kind of do it in every area of our life. This isn't new. For, for example, you go and interview for a job. Basic things you want to know. You want to know, what are you going to pay me? Are there opportunities for advancement? And if they pay you enough, and if there are enough opportunities for advancement, you're going to take the job, right? You don't sit there and say, thank you for your offer. But before I take the job, I need to come here for a while and live. And I need, I need to spend time with everybody that I'm going to be forced to interact with. I need to know everybody in the HR department. I need to know all my coworkers. I need to meet all the salespeople. I need to get to know them. I need to make sure I, we're going to click. I, I need to make sure these are my people. Because if we don't click, if we don't get along, if these aren't my people, I don't care how much money you pay me, I'm not going to take the job. You don't do that. In fact, this is what you think. You pay me enough, I can deal with anybody. You pay me enough, I'll enter this structured relationship. I can put up with anything. In other words, you make the decision to enter into a structured relationship for the sake of your financial progress, for the sake of your financial gain, to move forward your career. And this is what will happen. You'll take the job and you'll begin to meet people. And at first, first impression, there's going to be some people you like. And first impression, there's going to be some people you don't like. And then there's going to be some people that you don't like at first, but like a fungus over time, they're going to kind of grow on you, you know. And then there are going to be a lot of people that you really liked at first. After a few weeks, you're not going to be able to stand them. But this is what you will do in this structured relationship called a job. You will figure out how to navigate your way through those relationships for the sake of your financial progress for the sake of the advancement of your career we do this all the time with our kids you know for example some of you intentionally moved to this area or maybe you moved into a particular neighborhood just so your kids could go to a certain school you didn't come down here and live in a neighborhood in a motorhome for six months and saying before we move here and actually buy a house and put our kids in school I need to meet the principal I need to meet all the counselors I need to meet every teacher I need to meet every parent and every student. In fact, I need to get to know the Wake County School Board because I know for a fact if you'd have met them, you wouldn't have moved here. I know that. I know that. You didn't do that, right? You know what you decided? I heard they have good schools. We're going to move there. We're going to get our kid in school, and we'll figure out the relationships as we go. We do this with sports teams for our kids. You know, they play soccer. They play rack. Everybody's happy. They're running around. They don't have a clue what they're doing. But if your kid stands out a little bit, he gets to play select. And then if he's really good, he gets to play on one of those little snooty traveling teams where they all get little matching outfits and little bags, and their parents think they're just the most wonderful thing in the world. You know what I'm talking about, you know? You don't say, i got to meet every team, every coach, every player, every family. You do it for the, for the sake of your kids' athletic progress. You do this when you go to college. You check it out. You, you do your research. You don't go live on campus in a tent for a year and meet all the professors and all the deans and all the students and say, no, I mean, guys, if you go there and the chicks are hotter than any other college, you go there just for the sake of your social progress. You know, you, you do that. This is something we do in every area of our life. We commit. We enter into structured relationships for the sake of progress. Now, in the same way, this is where you need to listen. The progress of our spiritual lives the spiritual transformation, becoming what we want to be and what God wants us to do. Understand, it hinges on our willingness to get involved in some structured relationships. And this is why this is so important. Structured relationships create an environment where God can begin to go to work in our hearts and in our lives. And I'll just tell you this. I've never met anyone growing spiritually. Never met anyone who was growing spiritually that was not connected in community 
was not involved in some kind of structured relationships with other believers. Now, I've met people who have grown in their knowledge, and maybe they've even become a theologian because of all they know, because they sit around and read books and study God's Word all the time. But I'm talking about your life will never, ever change significantly. You'll never see any real spiritual transformation until you make the decision that you are going to get in a structured relationship with other believers. Maybe it's a prayer group. Maybe it's a Bible study. Maybe it's a small group. Maybe it's an organization like BSF. Maybe it's like our women's Bible study here, here that we call Seeds. Maybe it's men's fraternity. But I got to tell you, there is no such thing. You will not be able to find one. There is no such thing as a lone ranger Christian who is growing spiritually. There is a principle to the proverb that iron sharpens iron. In fact, I'll, I'll, I'll promise you this, and I'm flattered that you're here, and I may lose my job by saying this. You're not, your life will never change significantly by just showing up here every weekend and coming to big church. I'm just telling you. I don't care if you think I'm a good teacher or not. I don't, I don't care if I keep your attention. Your life will never, ever change by just showing up on the weekend and coming to big church. And it's because this isn't a structured relationship. There's no community here. In fact, this is what I know. You can show up here every weekend and you can remain anonymous for the rest of your life. You can show up here every weekend and no one will know how you're struggling with pornography. No one will know that you're addicted to painkillers. No one will know anything about you. No one will know that you can't stop playing the lottery. No one will know because you both have a smile on your face that you have a marriage that is about to blow to pieces. You can remain anonymous. But if you make the decision that you are going to commit to a structured relationship for the sake of spiritual progress, I am promising you this, it will change your life. But you don't grow spiritually because you listen to my messages. You don't grow spiritually because, oh, I think I'm going to join a church. It's such a big milestone. Nope, not going to change your life. You grow when you're connected to other people in meaningful relationships, when you're connected in community. And that means that if you want to change your life and you want God to have the chance to change your life, you're going to have to make the decision to commit to a structured relationship, whether you know all the people or not. Whether you like all the people or not. In other words, you decide for the sake of your spiritual health, your spiritual growth, your spiritual transformation. I'm going to enter into this relationship. And we're just going to see what God's going to do. Let me show you another verse. Hebrews 10, 25. We don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews, but he wrote it to a group of Jews who had become followers of Jesus Christ. And for a while, they were really connected. I mean, they were growing together, but because of persecution and other reasons, they kind of got slack. They started being scattered. And so this is what he says to the, this, this, the, these group in Hebrews 10, 25. Let us not give up meeting together. And this has been so overused and, and so many times about you, you should come to church every Sunday. That's not what it's talking about. Let us not give up meeting together as some of you are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. What that tells me there, there's a meeting together element. There's a, there's a meeting together aspect of spiritual growth. Something very, very important that you can't stop doing. And by the way, it's not this kind of meeting. Understand in the first century, they didn't even meet like this. They didn't even have these kinds of meetings. These were people often hiding out in the catacombs meeting together. These were people meeting in houses, studying God's word together. These are people who were getting into each other's life, into each other's stuff. They were loving each other. They were encouraging each other. There were times they were crying together. There were times they were praying for one another. But basically, they were doing life together. And the writer of Hebrews says, you're getting a little slack. You cannot give that up. 
You can't give it up. Now, why would he say you can't give it up? Because he knew that when we disconnect from other believers, we give up the primary tool that God uses to facilitate our growing faith and to facilitate our spiritual progress, our changed life. So I'm going to ask you this weekend, I'm not going to overwhelm you just to take a baby step. And the baby step is this. As we go through this series over the next couple of weeks, would you at least commit to becoming open to the idea of getting into a structured relationship. Because I know right now, some of you are saying, whoa, whoa, I am not doing that. My Christian faith is private. I'll address that next time. I'll address that next time. It's not true. Never meant to be that way, and I'll show you from Scripture. Some of you, I, don't, I just don't like people. Well, they don't like you either. That's the cool thing. You don't have to like each other. You learn to like each other. You know, it goes both ways. But would you just say, I'm going to at least be open to see what Mike has to say. This idea of a structured relationship. Maybe it meets in a home on a Thursday night. Maybe it meets in a restaurant on Wednesday mornings. Maybe you get to Bob Evans at 7 o'clock and there's six to eight of you. Maybe it's at work. You have lunch together once a week for the sole purpose of spiritual progress. But you get together and say, hey guys, let's just hold each other accountable. Let's just grow together. Let's cheer each other on and let, let's, let's mourn together when things aren't going well. But let's pray for one another and let's cry together, but let's do life together. And I'm not stupid. I, I, people think I am. I'm not stupid. And I know that this is a big ask. And I have to say that's ask with a K. Because last night I got emails. The Saturday night crowd's tough. So emphasize the K. Okay? So this is a big ask. Okay? I know that. I know that. I already know you don't have time for it. I know that. I already know you're way too busy to do this. In fact, if you're here this weekend and you have children, you're married and you have children, uh, even more complicated if you're a single parent and have children. I mean, you don't have a night of the week to give up. You got practice, you got homework, you got science projects, you got deadlines, maybe you travel with your career and you're thinking, man, Mike, are you serious? You, you want me to set aside an hour or two every week just to get together and hang out with other Christians? you got to be kidding me. I don't have enough time in my life to do the things I need to do right now. How in the world do you think I'm going to find the time to hang out with other Christians? Legitimate, legitimate. But I will tell you this. This is what I know. You will undermine your spiritual transformation. You will undermine your spiritual growth. You will sabotage any chance you really have of seeing life change if you don't make this a priority if you don't figure out how you're going to carve out some time I also know this and I'm this is I stopping preaching right now and I'm gonna meddle a little bit okay I know this there are a lot of children in our society there are a lot of children in our culture who are sick and tired of getting shuttled back and forth every week because mom and dad couldn't figure out how to stay married Married and their family blew up. Now, I don't want to put you on a guilt trip if you've been there, and I know half of you have been there, so I'm not picking on anybody. But I'll tell you what, I could, bring up these, I could bring some of those kids up there. If you asked them, this is what they would say. They'd say this, Mike, I'll tell you what, I'd, if I could go back in time, <laughs> if I could do it all over again, now that I know what I know, I would have gladly given up some things. I would have played a little less soccer. I would have played, gone to gymnastics a little less. I'd have taken a year off from cheerleading. I would have said no to dance lessons. 
I, if I could go back in time, I would trade it all if mom and dad would have spent some time growing their faith, working on their marriage, and saving our family. I mean, this is just the reality of it. Anyone who's been through that pain, everybody would be willing to go back and rearrange and reorient priorities to make time for those things. So think about this. How different would our families be at Hope if every parent here, single or married, every parent here was in community. Every parent here was in a structured relationship with other parents. Do you think it would make a difference? Do you think it would matter if, if you took some time? Now, this is where I'm going to really step on some toes. But it's because I love you, right? What if you took some time, now parents listen to me, that you're wasting on stuff that doesn't really matter, okay? Now here's what, this is the trap we've fallen into. I can see some of you parents doing this right now. This trap. God created the family where mom and dad is here and kids are out here. We've switched that. We put the kids in here and mom and dad's running around out here trying to make their life be fulfilling, trying to help them experience everything we never experienced. And you're running ragged and that's why you're doing 13 commutes a day and that's why our divorce rate is 50-some percent because all of a sudden mom and dad can't grow the relationship. They're too worried about their kids. They're investing all their money in their kids, all their time in their kids. What if you took some of the time that you're wasting on your kids? And I'm saying wasting because, let's be honest, how many of our kids are going to be professional soccer players? All right? How many of our kids are going to be good enough, just read the statistics, to actually get a scholarship to go to college? Let's just be honest. You can put them in cheerleading all their life. What the heck are they going to do when they outgrow that? I mean, what do you do with that? You ever seen a 92-year-old cheerleader for the Carolina Panthers? You don't see it. You know? Oh, I think I hurt something. You can't dance for so long, people. And if you're white, you shouldn't even be doing it at all, to be honest with you. We have good friends, Jerry and Mary Ellen Decker. They teach parenting classes here. I love what they do. When they teach a class, they give every, every parent a three-by-five card. And this is what they say. I want you to write on that card, describe your child. Whether it's six now, eight now, 12 now, describe your child, what you want your child to be like at 30. Do you know what they write? Character, godliness, committed to their word, good job ethic. Nobody puts, oh, I just want them to be a really good soccer player. Nobody puts that. Nobody puts, I just want them to be able to, to build a human pyramid with pom-poms. Nobody, nobody says that. It's not that important, you know, when they're 30. So what if you took some of that time you were wasting? I'm not saying your kids shouldn't be involved in these activities. My kids play soccer. I made my son play football. I get at those things. And he still hates me for it. I'm not saying they shouldn't do those things. My kids do those. But what if you said, hey, we're, 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 th we're rethinking things. We're cutting back from 13 commutes today to maybe seven commutes a day. And we're going to rethink, yeah, you're still going to be playing soccer, but you're not going to play soccer this, 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 and guitar lessons, and do this, and, and, and ballet. You're just not going to do it all. So you really pick what you want to do. And then you took some of that time that you're going to save, and you begin to invest it in a structured relationship where every week you got together with other parents, and you talked about life. Let me just ask you, do you think your family would be stronger? 
What if you took some of that time that in the big scheme of things is not going to amount to anything and you started spending time with other parents and you were praying together and sharing together and you were supporting one another and you were learning godly principles about how do we keep our marriage strong when we're getting our kids through these turbulent times? How do we do this? I'll never forget when, when my kids were teenagers. One weekend I was preaching, I said, man, I need to be in a small group with parents of teenagers. And whoo, there they came. And you know what was interesting? Every one of them was like, I thought we were the only ones. Because we can't open up and say our kids, you know, everybody else has got the bumper stickers all over the back of their car because they're lying, they're in denial. It's only our kids that are bad. Nobody wants to say that, that are struggling. So we got together, and I mean, we cried together, and we learned together. And somebody said, man, I got a big meeting with the principal this week, or I got a counselor, I got this going on. And we were praying for each other, how'd it go, and supporting one another, and calling. And, and, you know, and I'll never forget one time we had a family come in, and they said, we got a real win this week. We convinced our son, he's 16, we convinced our 16-year-old son, only smoke pot on the weekends. <laughs> and we're like, yeah! We'll work on Monday next week, but we'll celebrate that. That's a start, you know. Parent Summit's coming up February 9th. Throw that slide up. One of the reasons you ought to do this, one of the things that's so cool, when you get into breakout sessions, you break out for lunch and stuff, you're intentionally set with other parents who have kids of similar ages, and you're going to find out you are not alone and what an encouragement you could be to each other. Take advantage of the resources that are made available to you. February 9th, sign up, register. It'll make a difference in your life. How about if you're single? If you're single, I know you don't have time for this. I'm not stupid. I mean, you may be working now because you're single more than any time in your life. And on top of that, you're trying to have a social life. You've got to go clubbing on the weekend. And, you know, you don't have any ties. You can go traveling whenever you want to. But if you're single, I also know you have more time now to do this than you're ever going to have in your life. I also know this about you. If you're single, you may be single, but you're looking for someone to spend your life with. And you're looking for someone who's willing to commit till death do us part. And you're trying to find somebody who has the character to follow through on that kind of commitment. You're looking for somebody who's going to be faithful. You're looking for someone who has the ability to love you unconditionally. Let me just say, that's what you're looking for, and God bless you. I applaud you. That's what you ought to be looking for, and don't settle for anything less than that. You're looking for a person who's more concerned about what's going on in the inside of their life than what's going on on the outside of their life. You're looking for someone who's willing to grow, to change, to be open, to be held accountable. So let me ask you a question. If that's what you're looking for, why don't you consider getting into a structured relationship and becoming the kind of person that you're looking for? Proverbs 13, 20. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. I'll challenge you to do something. I didn't do this any other service, but this is the least spiritual one, so I'll do it here. I heard that. We got one dissenter. I'm not. Okay, here, this is I challenge you. Go home this afternoon and sit down and ask yourself, who am I surrounding myself with? And be honest. And then ask this question. Is it possible that some of my behavior is a result of people who are influencing my life? That's a huge question. And then maybe consider a structured relationship for the sake of change, for the sake of your spiritual progress. You, you do it in every other area of your life. Why in the world, why in the world would you not do it for the most important area of your life? Surround yourself with wise people.
Let's pray. Father, thanks for your patience more than anything. Just reminded of Lamentations 3, your mercies are renewed every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Thank you for not just zapping us. Father, I pray that we would be honest about ourselves. A wise person who sees life is a person who sees life as it really is. They don't make decisions based on what they hope life will be one day. A wise person who is one who sees life as it really is. Help us to see our lives as they really are. Help us to see ourselves as you see us. And for so many who are just spinning their wheels and so much struggle going on and habits they they can't kick and lifestyles that can't be changed maybe the answer is a structured relationship maybe for the first time in their life they're going to be comfortable with someone to say hey this is my image on the outside but this is who I really am on the inside and there's a big gap and I've never been able to tell somebody that before so I'm going to tell you Father open our hearts and our minds to this idea in your name we pray Amen